upon your church. Thank you, God, for keeping your hand upon your church. Your church is triumphant. Your church is powerful. In Jesus' name we pray. We believe all these things. And all of God's people said amen. Praise the Lord. Would you look at somebody? Somebody beside you, behind you, in front of you. Would you just look at them, wave at them, and say, there is a future. Hallelujah. Now look at somebody else and say, there is a future. Now look at somebody else and say, and there's power in that future. God's going to move in that future. Sons and daughters will be saved. People will be delivered. One more time, shout it and declare it. There is a future. Hallelujah. Can you give the Lord a hand clap of praise tonight as I get into the word? If you have your Bibles, will you turn with me to the book of 2 Timothy? Thank you, praise team. Let me throw that, that old chorus on you tonight. I really appreciate that. I just, I just love choirs of praise, and I love, I love just coming together and sometimes singing simple choruses that the whole church just sings as a body of believers. And I love how God's people praise in this house. I love how God's people praise in this house. I mean, the generations worship together. The, it's like I see some that have been saved for many decades come together and worship with those that are newly saved. I love when the young get together and worship the Lord with the, the not-so-young. Amen? The not-so-young. I, I love unity in the house. and It's one of the characteristics of RPCOG that I love how you can't really put two of our people together and say they come from our church. I've always loved that about this church. How many of you have ever seen churches, I don't want to throw rocks, where you could put five or six of them together and definitely know they're from that particular church? But I love the uniqueness and how we're, we're kind of a, we're a melting pot or as some even like to put a salad bowl. We're a salad bowl of a congregation, many generations, many economic standings, many backgrounds. Some of us, some of us come from the old Huck and Buck Pentecostal church. Some of us didn't know what Pentecost was until a year ago. Some of us thought if you spoke in tongues, you were demon-possessed. You maybe taught that as a child. But when we all come together, there's one thing we have in common, that's Jesus Christ. And I love it when there's voices of praise that go up. Amen. Praise God. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2. I'm going to start at verse 1. My plan is not to hold you very long this evening. I really don't know where the Holy Spirit's going to take us tonight. Amen. You got... I, can you get me in a different pose? Because I, I always said, you always, I, I, I find myself doing this a lot. I find myself doing this. Do y'all ever know, do you, anybody ever have habits? I always have that habit. And every time, every time I get quoted on Facebook, I'm like, dude, I'm always doing that. So I got to find a different pose, church. Amen. It's like if you go through time pictures of me. Here's Micah in the high school years. Here's Micah in the college years. 
And here's Micah pushing his middle age years. Amen. I'm always in that particular pose, but praise God. Thank you all so much. The book of 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. It says, You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Now therefore, you therefore must endure, excuse me, hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of his life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier and also if anyone competes in athletics he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules the hard-working farmer must first be first to partake of the crops consider verse 7 consider what I say and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to the gospel. Do you ever get a notion just to want to shout amen when you hear about Jesus rising? Amen. For which I suffered trouble, for which I suffered trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains, but the word of God is not chained. I want to read verse 9 again. For which I suffered trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains. But the word of God is not chained. Therefore, I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they may also that they also, I'm going to be honest with you folks tonight. I don't know if I need to go get my prescription checked tonight or something, but I am seriously having a hard time reading. Y'all pray for me tonight, okay? Amen. That's a joke. You can laugh about it. It's okay. It's okay. You can laugh about it. I'm having a little trouble reading tonight. For which I suffered trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains. But the word of God is not chained. Therefore, I endure all things for the sake of the elect that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Amen to the word of God tonight. Amen. Praise God. There is a future tonight. Amen. There's a promise. There's a hope that we live in as children of God. And frankly, in, in all honesty, there is something that really has been stirring within my spirit since we have gone into this, this season of quarantines and this season of the COVID-19 pandemic. And, and now there, there's this, as I said, we're facing something that is an all-out uniqueness compared to anything we have ever experienced as a nation. I hope you don't find me disrespectful when I say this and make this comparison. But in 2001, I entered into one of my college courses on a Tuesday morning. It was a beautiful southeastern Ohio morning. And 
uh, the Rio Grande campus, man, it just had, had a beauty about it when, when the sun was shining. It was just a typical day. I had a 10 a.m. class, and, of course, I was, was walking in and unshowered at about 5 till 10 in that class. I was not a morning person in my younger days. I am now, believe it or not, I've changed. I am now. I like, I like 6 a.m. coffee on my days off. That's what I like doing these days. I guess that's what happened when you get a little older. You like 6 a.m. coffee. But I wasn't the morning person in my college days, and I walked into my class, and I had an instructor who was from New York City. She was from New York City, and she came in on that beautiful Tuesday morning, and she had tears in her eyes. She was upset. And she had said what she had seen on the news. September 11, 2001. And I sat there and the, the, she was very anxious. She was from New York City and had a sister who worked for like a courier company who made trips to the World Trade Center. And she was very worried about her sister. She was upset and some of the students were trying to console her. It was a different day. And I seriously thought within myself that this event is going to change the world forever. But some months had passed and it was like we were kind of in a, almost back to the place we were before that disaster had hit. And I remember being in a, <coughs> a college class not long after that and we were just kind of having, I, I guess you'd say kind of like a chat session uh, in this class about this 9-11 experience and they said, how is it affecting you students here at Rio Grande? And one boy said this and he said, honestly, this is small town USA. And I, I don't feel it too much. And I thought literally that the world was going to be impacted forever in a totally different place after 2001, September the 11th. But it didn't really phase a whole lot of our normal day-to-day -day actions. It didn't phase a whole lot that had happened and Years ago, we had called a sudden prayer meeting that night, and we had a capacity-sized crowd in the sanctuary, but we quit having capacity-sized crowds on midweek after that week. The world was not affected and impacted in the way that I thought it was going to be affected, but now here we are in the year 2020, and we're affected. We are affected in such a way. See, what was happening in this particular year is that the church at the early part of this year or the late part of last year, they were poised. <coughs> we were poised to step into this time frame where, oh my gosh, things are looking great for us. They're looking so good for us. Look at us. Look at us. Look at us, even, even you know, ultra-conservatism is loud and it's proud even in politics. Oh my goodness, we were poised for greatness. Then all of a sudden, February hits. And there's almost like this bottoming out. A, a low unemployment rate suddenly becomes high. Economics and stock markets suddenly plummet and they go down. And at one point, we were poised for greatness. We were poised for awesomeness. 
We were poised for something wonderful and we, the church, looked as though we were in the state of being unbeatable. We looked as though we were in a place and a time where nothing could touch us and nothing could affect us and nothing could overwhelm us and nothing's going to stand in our way. But February 2020 hit and everything began to change to where we flowed into this place and into this time of isolation and having to be shut away and having to be locked away from the rest of the world. But there's something with isolation that the enemy likes to use. The enemy likes to get in people's heads when they're in a sense and in a place of isolation. He likes to get in their heads and say, you're defeated. You thought you were getting ready to conquer, but now you're defeated. You thought you were at the apex. You thought you were at the top of everything, but now everything has plummeted but there's a truth getting ready to be revealed through the church of Jesus Christ and I'm excited about it that though we've gone through a season where it looks like we've plummeted there is still a future there is still a future the Apostle Paul is, is writing this letter and he's speaking. This has been after nearly four years of, of writing the first letter that we know as, as First Timothy. And he's encouraging this young pastor. He's encouraging this young man of the faith. He's letting him know something that you might be in an attack right now, but now is not the time to give up. Now is not the time to toss in the towel. Now is not the time to declare defeat and, and tuck and run and get away from your situation. Now is the time to declare and believe I have a future. Hallelujah. I have a future. Ain't nothing going to stop my future. Ain't nothing going to try to tear my future down. Uh, ain't nothing in this world can take away my future. Amen. I believe somebody needs to hear that tonight. You got a future. Praise the Lord. But the Apostle Paul is writing this letter and he's telling this pastor, he said, you, therefore my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. See, there's something about being strong. It's speaking about grow stronger, become stronger. And there's a word in the Greek that in the stronger, I believe you pronounce it dunameo. You pronounce it when it talks about becoming stronger, it's dunameo. <laughs> oh, there's something about that word dunameo because it is derived from the word dunamis. The word dunamis, talking about the translation of the Holy Ghost, Power, and that is the power to change the existence of things. So in other words, the apostle Paul is telling his son in the faith, here's what I want you to do, Timothy. You're going to face trials as a pastor. You're going to face trials as a Christian. You're going to face trials and attacks that may come your way and try to rip them away from you. But I want you to be reminded of something. You contain a power that's able to change the very existence of things. 
That's able to change the very existence of things. Standing therefore, be strong. Therefore, be strong in the grace, the grace, the unmerited favor. Don't forget the fact you have got grace on your side. You've got favor on your side, Timothy. So therefore, be strong in the grace. You know what this is an opportunity to do at this certain time? Things have shut down. We don't get to do our typical Friday night things. I mean, they're not even making movies in Hollywood right now. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. They're not even making, I mean, they're showing movies from the 80s at the Silver Screen Cinema. They're showing classics at the Silver Screen Cinema. We've got, we've got this kind of, and we're like, dude, I'm not paying no $7 to watch a movie that's in the $5 bin at Walmart. You know what I'm talking about? You know, you, you can find that for, I ain't paying no $7 a ticket so I can go watch some movie just to say I saw it on a big screen. I'm not doing that sort of thing. I'm not doing that. He said, we've been shut in. We've been locked away. We've been, oh my goodness, and Oh my goodness, we, we've been locked away. We've been, we've been shut out from the rest of the world. And here, here, here we are. Here we are, but here we are, saints. Here we are, saints. And now it's an opportunity to connect and get stronger in the grace. Praise God. So he's telling his son in the faith, okay, it's time for you to grow in the grace of God. And see, here's what happens in verse 2. You develop, you get stronger, and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. There is a sign in discipleship. Write this down, mark it down. There is a sign when discipleship is happening is when you begin to see sons and daughters rise up. There's a sign where you begin to see new faces begin to rise up. There is a sign in discipleship where you begin to see people who have maybe stayed in the shadows of things and they begin to rise up. Oh, I'd love to see that happen a little bit around here. I'd love to see people begin to rise up who maybe sat on the back row. I'm not prophesying anybody sitting on the back row. Don't worry, okay? I'm not calling you forward tonight. But there's a flow. Amen. It's my phone. Who is, who's calling me? Okay, it's probably a telemarketer. All righty. Praise God. It's not Jesus calling me. I guess I wasn't allowed, I wasn't allowed to look at the crowd and say, Who, whose phone's ringing in the middle of my message? Amen. It's a person in the back uh, leaving me a nasty message right now. That's what's going on. I kid you not, years ago I had, I was at a real serious moment. I was pastoring a small church and I was at a real serious moment on a Sunday night. And I had an old, who remembers the little Nokia phones that were about that big, okay? And remember, you could charge that on Thursday. It wouldn't lose charge till Wednesday. Those, th those things were awesome. And remember, you'd have to hit the buttons about five times to get to send your text messages if you, if you had, you know, your 10 text a month package, you know. 
I had a little Nokia phone. I was at a real serious moment. I was pastoring a church on a Sunday night, and all of a sudden, I'm at this real serious moment. It's quiet, and all of a sudden, it's the Mexican hat dance starts playing. Real loud. It was a pastor friend of mine had called my phone while I was trying to preach. Amen. But that's okay. It's okay. You know what? It's okay. Loosen up a little bit. It's okay. I think we need to get used to being here again. You know what I'm saying? It's sad that we got into a place that this sanctuary became a strange place. You want to know something? It was sad that we had Easter and not a single person was in here. It's not supposed to be like that on Easter. But see, it's in moments like that where we begin to grow strong in the grace. And what's going to happen is those who have been in a defeated place are going to see the victory the church is walking in. In the midst where they're supposed to be downtrodden and beat up. They're going to see the victory that the church is walking in and God's going to be glorified in their lives. Amen. It's a flow. Right now we sit here tonight and I thank God so much for the children that are in the room. Can we give them a round of applause? Now can we give the moms and dads a round of applause for getting them here? I don't want to sound old and archaic, but it used to not be weird to have children in the sanctuary. Amen. I did it my whole life. Praise God. I turned out okay. Depends on who you ask. Amen. Oh, but let me tell you something right now. It's, it's time that we begin to kind of shake things off and understand that in, in these particular moments, God can be glorified and that people can still be discipled. People can still be one for the glory and honor of Jesus Christ. See, because it's in the moment of desperation when a man will cry out to God. It's at a moment when he's lost his job he's had for 20 years in a company that for many years their stocks were high. It's in those moments that even people who in strong careers, even in the educational field, are beginning to lose their jobs. It's where the people get older and they run away from God and they start remembering hearing about the old pastor that would talk about the coming of the Lord and they would see the things beginning to unfold it is times like this where God can be glorified and give the church a powerful future hallelujah see it's at an hour where we have an understanding we're not fighting the fight to sustain ourselves. We're fighting the fight to advance the kingdom of God. We're fighting the fight so somebody else can be impacted, so that somebody else can be encouraged. Can I blow your mind with something? You're not in this for yourself. You're not in this for personal gain. You're not in this for man's applause and things that make you look good. You're in this for a purpose, and the purpose is the harvest. Hallelujah. But it begins to flow. Paul said, Timothy, I want you to begin to pour into men like I have poured into you. So what begins to happen is that they begin to have an impact on others also. Do you see what happens? 
Do you, do, do you ever read through the book of Acts and have an understanding that it's when one person rises up in the power of the Holy Ghost when God begins to add to the church? And he doesn't just add here and there, but thousands were saved miraculously because one person rose up and said, I'm not in this for myself. Praise God. The sacrifice comes. Sacrifice comes. It's sacrificial at times to see what happens and, and to allow the various tactics and things of, of younger generations. At times it's, 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 it can be so sacrificial for the older to experience this. But let me tell you what your sacrifice is doing. It's feeding into the future. It's feeding into the future. Hallelujah. There is a future. Amen. Would you go ahead and throw my next verse up there, brother? Go in here to 1 Kings chapter 19. Starting at verse 1, it says, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree and he prayed that he might die and said, It is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Now, you've got this scenario happening and unfolding. You've got almost this like superhero type miracle that has just happened. You've got this superhero type miracle where fire literally comes down from heaven and licks up water. It, it defies nature. Once again, great, huge moments of victory. I mean, you defeat the prophets of Baal. I mean, it's like Elijah at that moment became the Chuck Norris of the Bible. Single-handedly defeating the prophets of Baal. And now, and on top of that, the drought you prophesied is now over. But yet you find yourself into this particular place. Into a place of deep depression where you are wanting everything to be over. Isn't that, isn't that something how the human mind has a tendency to work? How we will operate in such highs and lows sometimes. How we will operate in this way where we will be at this pinnacle and then all of a sudden we'll just, we'll bottom out. We'll bottom out. We'll shout all over the place on Sunday, then the first dilemma at work happens on Monday. We're like, oh God, where are you? Hit the pinnacle, bottom out. Here's Elijah sitting in this place, in honestly a place of isolation. 
Elijah is sitting under this tree and he's in isolation. He's in quarantine. And he's feeling sorry for himself. He's staying shut away, shut away from the rest of the world. Can we be transparent for just a second? Did anybody here at, after the quarantine have to say, you know what? I'm going to make myself actually brush my hair today. I'm going to make myself. Oh, I got an email at work today, Jason. I got an email at work after two months of getting to wear jeans and untucked shirts to work. I got to go back to slacks and button up shirts next week. I'm really breaking the quarantine. Oh, did, did you find yourself in a place where you're like, no, I'm actually going to use a toothbrush today. But see, those actions in the flesh do something to the spirit. I'll be transparent. I probably had a harder time than you all did when it came down to the quarantine and church on Sundays because I came to an empty sanctuary. I came to an empty sanctuary. Did anybody see the video of the church that surprised their pastor on Easter and put out the pictures of the congregation in the seats? Did anybody watch that? You saw the look and the expressions on that pastor's face. He was just overtaken. And you could just tell he, he was so full of love for his congregation and his people. I've met two types of pastors in my life. I've met pastors who love. And I've met pastors that don't love. <laughs> But you could tell this pastor loved and appreciated his congregation so much. See, that breaking away does something. That's why it's imperative to come to church and be connected to the body. You're part of a body that the Bible says is fitly joined together. And I never did well in science, but I understand if there's a portion of the body that's disconnected from the body, typically it dies. Our purpose is to connect with the body and fulfill one another and build one another up and not dwell in isolation. See, Elijah had the spirit and the mentality that there was nobody out there who cared. There was nobody out there who cared about the word that he had, the things that he had to say. He thought, he thought within his mind that I'm just going to die an old alone prophet. Nobody cares about me. But see, in the midst of the isolation, the Lord intervenes and says, no, 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 no. We're going to come out of this, son. We're going to break out of this, son, because you think you are all alone. You think nobody out there cares. But let me tell you something, Brother Elijah. I've got 7,000 that are hidden, people that you're unaware of, who've never bowed their knee to a false god. I like what Scripture says, or even kissed the false god, or even gave in to the worship of the false god. See, isolation puts us at this place in thinking that nobody cares, and we think all hope is lost. And some of us have even sat and wondered, will we ever even be able to function as a church again? 
10, but let me encourage you. In the midst of the quarantine, begin to cry out to God. Begin to cry out unto the Lord because it's there he gives revelation. No, the devil has not won. I've still got plenty out there who are not bowing to pagan gods. See, the news wants to make you think that it's hopeless for the church. The news wants to make you think that liberalism has won and, and, and satanic things have won and that demonic things have won. The, 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 the media and, and the people who, who lead at times want to make you think that there is no hope for the church. But see, what's happening is God's brewing something up. He's getting something ready. He's cultivating something. Go ahead, Ahab. Think you've got it. Think you've got the man of God's mouth shut up. Go ahead, Ahab. But let me tell you, you wise old king, there's 7,000 people I've hidden from you. Your sword has not been able to attack. You have not been able to apprehend. And it's going to be them that's going to take you out, son. It's going to be them that's going to march on with the truth of my word and declare victory in me. Hallelujah. Oh, go ahead, Ahab. Go ahead, Ahab. Murder for vineyards. Go ahead and be a deceiver. There is still a remnant who has not bowed to your false, idiotic, your homosexual, your perverse, your liberal God. There is a remnant that still worships me and still praises me. And in fact, does the word of God not give a promise that for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst. Oh, somebody give him a shout of praise. Oh, somebody praise him. Hallelujah. 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 Woo. I said, wake up, church. There is still ones. I believe it. I, I held on to it on Sunday when Pastor made the declaration that it is not the case. There are still millions in this nation that lift up the name of Jesus. There are still millions in this nation who have not bowed their knee, who have not given in. There are still millions that no matter... Can I say it? That no matter what happens in the voting booths in November, there is still a word that surpasses any politician's thinkings, his rulings, or his mentality. The church still has a future. You got a handkerchief in your pocket. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm almost done. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, hallelujah. Let the church realize there's a future. Can I be honest with you? I don't want to go back to where we were. I want to progress on to something further. John, lower my mic, buddy. I feel like I'm getting hot. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't want to go back to where we were. I don't want to go back to the same ruts. I don't want to go back to the same place. Because one time I remember pastor gave some insight to a mother whose, whose children serve God fervently as teenagers. And, and, and she goes, well, I just need to get them back to that place. He said, no, you don't need to go back because if they go back, they're going to go right back to the same place they were. I don't want to go back. I want God to be glorified on this earth like he's never been glorified. I want souls to get saved like they've never gotten saved in this church house. I want teenagers to be filled and, and children to be filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. I want people to rise up and realize that they're anointed and they're gifted and they're not just part of a church to attend, but they're anointed to be the church as a vessel of the Holy Spirit. Let's not to digress to the past let's progress to the future hallelujah hallelujah thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Jesus but it begins to flow I've been in a place in my life Jason Bailey I have heard Pentecostal stories my whole life. I have heard stories about tent revivals in the 40s and 50s. I have heard stories of early days of the church of God. We've been a church. If anybody accuses us of anything, I'd like to tell there's an intricate part of our history as a church where a pastor was whipped by the Ku Klux Klan yeah we've had that kind of a daring history as a church we've cared about all souls and all lives and I have heard stories after stories about great revivals and you know what it is it wasn't in the particular songs they were singing it wasn't in the certain preachers that were preaching it was just a group of people that knew if they were going to make it, they needed a move of the Holy Ghost. I believe we're at that point again as a church. If we are going to make it, we do need a move. But let me tell you, if there's a church that's willing to wait on him, and trust him and get a hold of him, you're going to find he will move. He will use you. He will flow through you. Hallelujah. There is a future. Will you stand to your feet with me? Hallelujah. 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 You know the old adage goes, desperate times call for desperate measures. 
And, and, and some may say that, that you, you know, we may be at that point of desperation. We might be at that point of desperation. But you know what the Lord does with desperation?